joy of the Lord. I'm glad I've got it in these days that we are living with the news that we are getting. I'm glad to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ because we have good news in a bad news world. I believe the day is going to come quickly and soon that that good news is going to be embraced by more people looking for hope because they're not going to find it in anyone or anything or anywhere in this world. This is a fallen world. We have faulty bodies and we are subject to so many things that can occur and happen to us. Evidently, we're living in a, a, uh, and I'm not into the the extreme global warming thing and all of that stuff, but I I do believe we live in a fragile world. Uh, All the things we thought were so so absolutely stable and, and certain are being shaken. The future is bleak. It's dark. It's becoming black because there's no light in the, ahead. Uh, and people know that, and people are sensing that. And if it wasn't for the coming of Christ, uh, there would be no wonder fear would just just capture the entire world and everyone in it. And it's a sign of the last days. What shall be the sign of thy coming? When shall these things be? Men's hearts failing them for fear, looking at the things which are coming. This is, this is a legitimate concern. This is not just some uh, reaction to, to uh, cons- theories. This is fact. Uh, and they can't see a way out. They, I saw a map the other day. You can't help. You know, you get online and you go here and you go there and you end up somewhere you didn't intend to go, but there you are. And I just, you know, I saw a map. Uh, if you, is it not? It's not Yosemite. I got Yogi Bear on my mind, and of course that's not very mature. I realize, but I have to go somewhere other than here sometimes until I get to heaven. And but it's in Yellowstone. Uh, if that. Whatever's underneath the ground, a potential volcano, if it erupted, if it did, then that's the if. But you see, it's those ifs that everybody's having to deal with. Uh, it, it'd be like a a, a bomb, a bit, one of the big nuclear events. What it would do, it's so huge if it ever erupted. Uh, so we're living in a time of great turmoil and great tumult. Don't have to go into the details of it. Could spend an hour on it, and we wouldn't be just scratching the surface. But the gospel, the good news, that God is sovereign. He's still in control when things seem to be out of control. And everything that's happening right now, even the negative stuff, is right on schedule. God said the falling away would come. We're in the beginning of the falling away. Amen. Jesus said men's hearts would fail them for fear. That's exactly what's occurring in our generation. We are in the, the beginning of sorrows, according to the Scripture. But we have a message of hope. And the world can't compete or compare with what we have to offer. But as I've said in sermons past, that hope has to be realized in us in such a way that they see it and they sense it. They sense our hope. They sense our peace. And then they are, not all of them, but some of them are going to come to you and come to me and ask us about that. And that's why we're to be ready, always on the ready 
be like a city set on a hill. If you've got hope in this world, in its condition, and that hope is evidenced in your life, and you have peace in this world where peace can't be bought at any price, I'm looking at people like Bill Gates, who's a, multi, a billionaire, a multi-billionaire. And I look at, look at him. I mean, he's lost his marriage. He's obviously not what, and now he's associated with that guy. Uh, I don't know his, can't call his name, but he's associated uh, with the guy that was into child trafficking and all of that kind of stuff. And I look at the lines in his face and I look at just a picture of him and there's no, there's no evident hope and there's certainly no evident peace. So all of that money that he's accumulated, all of the wealth, all of the fortunes that he has made can't buy hope, can't buy peace. A hitman for for uh, the mafia who came to Christ and got saved, and he had murdered people. He couldn't get over grace. He couldn't get over the fact that God could forgive him what he did, and he did it for money, and he made big money, he said. He said, I could rent. I could go into a hotel. Of course, it would be in another place because he distanced himself from where, where he did the deed. I could go into a hotel and I could rent a suite that cost $10,000 a night. But I couldn't buy a moment's peace or rest in that room. I could eat the best foods. I could drink the best booze. But I couldn't have a moment's peace. And I could not have a peaceful sleep until I came to Christ. And all of my sins were forgiven. How could He forgive me? How could, how could God, who knows what I did and what I was, how could He forgive me? That's why Amazing Grace was written. That's why He said, I'm, I'm, I'm taken back by it. I think the danger for us as Christians is that we will be no longer taken back by grace. That it'll just be a given. By grace you are saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Yeah, I got, I, I, God has saved me by grace. And thank God for His forgiveness. Okay, now let me go about all of these things without responding like I should to that. And like I could to that. Now, you don't have to be a hit man for the mafia or some child trafficker. You see, the man that killed himself in prison or was killed in prison, I look at his face, a billionaire, trying to satisfy every lust of his flesh in every way he could find to do it. No peace, no joy, no happiness. You can, years ago, I read in the Tampa Tribune back when papers were still around, and it wasn't too awful long ago that you still got the paper instead of all the news on the media coming through computer. A lady, and they had a whole two-page thing on it, and I don't know why they did it actually, but they had two pages. And it was all about a lady who had went to bartending school. And she had learned how to quickly mix a whole bunch of different drinks. And she worked in a club in Ebo City. And she was quitting her high-paying job that she was highly educated and trained to do because she said she couldn't take the depression 
anymore. Now it's allowed. Everything is thumping. You go in the door to the to this club, and everything is the place is jumping. They got the music thumping, and everybody's getting getting high and getting lit and and trying to hook up. And she said, "But it was so sad because I saw the same lonely people." coming through the door night after night, weekend after weekend, sometimes hooking up with somebody and leaving together, and I don't have to go into detail about that. But they kept coming back again and again to drink, to hook up, to try to find something to satisfy that big empty hole in their heart. She said it was too depressing. Now, you'd think depressing would be working in the ER seeing people hurt and seeing people dying and seeing families devastated. But this is a lady that gave up a high-paying job, not because of that kind of stuff, but because of what the devil says and the world says. This is, you need to party on the weekend. You owe it to yourself. You'll find what you need in drinking. You'll find what you need in in all kinds of, of flesh-satisfying sexual activity. You'll find it. She said, it's depressing. Because I saw the emptiness and I couldn't take it anymore. And I thought, what? This is the party crowd. You're in the midst of it. Yeah, you, you know, but she saw it. But a lot of people coming in don't see it. That they are in that, that people looking. I love John's Gospel chapter 4 where Jesus stops at Jacob's well. Because he's weary. He's tired. He sits down in the in the cool in the shade, and a woman comes to the well because he descends. He sends his disciples on into town to buy something to eat. He's actually weak and needs sustenance. He needs hydration, and he's sitting there. And as the woman comes, she's not a Jew. She starts drawing water from the well, and he says, "Woman, give me to drink." And she was shocked that he would even speak to her took her back because she recognized he, 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 he certainly some kind of priest or holy man. And besides, Jews have nothing to do with us Gentiles. And besides that, the people she was around didn't have a lot to do with her because she'd had five husbands that he told her about. And she was living with a man that wasn't her husband. And that doesn't put you in good standing back when that mattered. Can you say, man... And it mattered greatly back then. Woman, give me to drink. And as she's drawing him water, amazed that he would even speak to her, he began to talk to her about her life. I appreciate that about the Lord. He began to tell her about her life. He even told her, you know, you've had five husbands, and you're living with a man that's not your husband. But he offered her something. In spite of all of the sin, all of the guilt and the shame of sin, he offered her something. And he said something about what he was about to offer her. He said, if you drink water from this well, you're going to come back here again and again and again. You see, that's what the bartender in the club saw coming back again and again and again, trying to satisfy Something that only God can address. Only forgiveness. Only grace. Only His love. Only His presence in that, that 
hollow place in people's hearts that they're trying to satisfy through drugs and through drink and through sin. Ah, he said, but if you knew who it was that said, give me the drink, you would ask of me and I would give you living water and you would never thirst again. She said, sir, (laughs) then give me then this water. You see, that's what the world don't have that we do have to offer. Such as we have, we need to be ready to give away. Because I'm convinced, I'm not convinced that the church itself as an organized church and even Christians who it's all a given and grace is just a given and the cross is just a given and communion is just a given you know take it all for granted uh, not loving him back not loving him back for loving us with an ardent love and loving his people loving his house loving his word loving his service but I believe the revival not so much in the church I believe in the world, people that need this water that we have to give. If we come to the place that we can share with them and they can see it in us, I believe we're going to see many people saved as Christians with victory that are satisfied with Jesus, that are serving Him because they love Him. And they see it and they see we have something they just don't have and that club can't give them that 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 joint can't give them that drink can't give them that that sin can't give them but God can and will and does but they need to see it in somebody I use the word viable in order to to be visible to them it has to be viable in us it has to be real in you and real in me Holy Communion is an opportunity to go back to the cross. It's an opportunity to kneel at the foot of the cross spiritually. He says, woman, if you knew who it was, if you knew what I could do for you, you would ask of me. If you just knew, and I could give you living water, you'd never thirst again. Sir, give me then this water. Now, we say that she went and became the first woman to preach the gospel, uh, you know, to do a lot of different things. Uh, And there's nothing against women sharing the gospel. But that's not what she did. She didn't go share the gospel. She said, come and see a man. Because she, she knew what had happened to her, but she didn't know how to theologically explain it. And didn't need to. You don't have to be a theologian to share living water with somebody. Can you say amen? And you don't have to see a theologian to sh- They call me a theologian. I, I, I meet with four ministers going on our 11th year. And it, after five years, I slipped and said, because one of them said, I'd be glad if you, there was an opening uh, in, in a, for a class, but it was, a, it was for credit to go toward a degree. In, in theology and so one of the men who was attending a class with a professor he said my professor is getting ready to retire and you ought to take that you ought to apply for that I'd be glad for you to be my professor I said I'm not qualified he said what I said I'm not qualified he said what do you mean I said I don't have a degree or anything that would allow me to, to teach a, an accredited class he said I thought you, 
I thought you were, I thought you were, and, and I, you know, I just sit there and thought, well, I wish I hadn't said nothing. If you might have well said, <laughs> he said, I thought you were a theologian. I said, well, I, I try to be a theologically accurate when I preach and teach the scripture, but I don't have a degree from anywhere. I studied my uncle's books. Who, uh, he was with Church of God and Lee College. I studied all of his books, and I imagine I know as much as some of the graduates, more because of all this getting ready to 50 years of 50 years of ministry. I've been in the Bible quite a lot for 50 years. That's half a century. Wow, we're getting ready to celebrate 50 years of ministry. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Boy, the devil has tried to take me out from day one. I mean, I could tell you a list of things that he has done. I just don't want to go there. But if I go there at all, it's to glorify God for his faithfulness and to let people know God is faithful. I'm going to speak to a men's breakfast uh, actually, Gerald Baldry's uh, church on their men's breakfast coming this coming Saturday, coming up this next week, and uh, their pastor as it uh, is battling leukemia. And I pray that my my own testimony of what God has done, what He's still doing, what He will do, will will be beneficial to him. Because of that, and you're not never too late at a Pentecostal service. Come right on in, and we are so glad to have you and see you. Praise the Lord, Hallelujah! Anyhow, praise God. Thank you, thank you for being here. Amen. We're skimpy today. We're counting heads and and hands and feet. God is good. Thank you for coming. Woman, if you knew who it was who said, give me to drink, you'd ask of me, I'd give you living water. So she went and told, come and see a man. No theology to it. Come and see a man. Now I was asking, I've been asking when I have the time, because I've been so busy to do it, I've been asked to uh, have a Bible study, not accredited, but a Bible study for those pastors in foreign countries, in Pakistan in particular, where it's dangerous to be a pastor, dangerous to preach the gospel, your life is on the line. We had a communication with, uh, sent an offering, really, to a Pakistani pastor. And because there are terrorists in that area, I had to fill out a whole list of background check for myself to make sure this wasn't a sham for terrorists and that I wasn't a supporter of terrorists sending money. I had to fill out just to send an offering. I went in to do it at that, you know, where you wire stuff. And that I had to go through this whole litany of stuff to to have a background check on me and on the person I'm sending to and all the addresses, phone numbers and social security numbers and, and finally I was authorized. It's not easy to minister in these countries. But I said again, I don't have a degree. And I was told by the, by the coordinator, you don't need a degree. You just need a, a working knowledge of the Word of God that you can accurately. And I was glad as a Pentecostal preacher, without losing my distinction as a Pentecostal preacher, that they recognized that I'm not, I, I, I know enough about the Scripture that I could teach it effectively. 
I appreciate that because I like to be able to qualify everything that we do and say by the Word of God. Now, I even qualify the gifts of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we, we scripturally do that. So, here's the deal. You don't have to be a theologian to share living water with people dying of thirst. And they are dying of thirst in this world. Why? Because they're without hope and without God, according to the Scripture. And we have the distinction, and usually hear it at funerals, but it's not just about funerals. It's a general statement as well. We are not like others who have no hope. Praise God. And it's that hope that gives us an opportunity to share living water. If it's real in you and it's real in me, and it's real in me, I don't just manifest something here in my person, my personality, that I don't carry out that door into the marketplace of the world. I carry it to the Circle K. I carry it to the grocery store. I carry it to Chick-fil-A. Amen. They know me at Chick-fil-A as a person of joy. And and they know me at Circle K as a person of joy and hope and peace and patience. And that's called the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Too many Pentecostals are so zeroed in on the gifts of the Spirit, they forget that what really impresses people is not that you speak in tongues, which is gibberish to them. Amen. They don't get that. But I'll tell you what they do get when they see you with peace and you with hope and you with joy, especially in the circumstances the world is in right now. It is highly impressive to them. There's one fruit of the Spirit that they just eat up. And it's one of the lesser of the fruit or products of the Holy Spirit. And it's kindness. Just be kind to somebody. Amen. They eat it up. Because the world isn't a kind place. The light changes. There's probably not a kind person in the car behind you. If you don't, I mean, before you can get your foot off the brake and onto the accelerator, that horn is already honking. Amen. And uh, and if you wasn't a kind person, you'd already be sticking your hand out the window. And I won't show you the gesture. You you know the bad finger. Let's put it that way. There's a bad finger. Which one, brother? I'm not going to show you. And you don't show me either, okay? It's a deal. I mean, this world isn't kind. Be kind to somebody. And it impresses them. Hallelujah. And the fruit of the Spirit is nothing less than the reproduction of the character of Christ in the life of a Christian. It's progressive, but it's love and it's joy and it's peace and it's long-suffering and it's goodness and it's meekness and it's kindness. And against such there is no law. This is what, this is what God wants to do. And we, we can't have that happen unless we grow up in God. And too many people are, are leaning on their spiritual gifts, which is power for service from the Holy Spirit, the charismata instead of the character of Jesus Christ. And what the world needs to see is our hope, love, joy, and hope. They need to see it, and they need to sense it, because they're thirsty. They're dying of thirst. Woman, you're going to get thirsty, and you're going to come back here. And that's why you're looking, I'm going to put it in my language, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. 
you're looking, this man will fulfill me. That man will fulfill me. No, that man will use you. That man will abuse you. That man will use you. That man will surely use you. But you won't find the love you're looking for until you find it in God first and foremost. And then you won't have to be just giving yourself away to every man that comes around the corner to try to fulfill that deep longing for more than sex, for love in your life. Amen? Hallelujah. So we got something to give away. And it's all because of Jesus. If we don't take grace for granted. If we don't take grace for granted. Holy communion is to come back to the cross so that we don't take grace for granted. Amazing grace. When was that written? Who wrote it? John Newton wrote it. He was a a slave ship captain. And it was well known once they began to outlaw, and it began in England where they began to outlaw slavery. And if they were about to get caught, they dumped the cargo in chains overboard to keep from getting caught with slaves on board. Just like they dumped drugs overboard when the Coast Guard, they dumped human beings. Now, I don't know if he did that. He didn't tell the bad part, but he was the captain of a slave ship. And in a great storm at sea, he found forgiveness because of grace. And it took him back that God could forgive him of all people after all that he had done and could not go back and redo or undo. That's the good news of grace. You don't have to go back and undo and redo. I, I, I love the, I love the grace that Jesus, and it's, listen, grace, grace has responsibilities with it. But, but listen, that, the, the thief on the cross, that said, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus said, now listen, you've done some, no, he didn't. You've done some bad, bad stuff. And you think that you can just get forgiven like that and go to heaven instead of hell? You think that can happen? No, he didn't say that. You know what he said to him? Today. And if you won't know where Jesus went, listen to the rest of it, because there's a whole lot of crazy stuff out there through crazy people. Brother, remember you calling? Well, they call me crazy too. Amen. For for staying within the Scripture. Amen. He didn't have to go to hell and become a born again man, because he never sinned. He he, he was God incarnate. He was God on the cross. To wit, oh, see, I'm off in a tangent. But listen, I'll get back on track. He was God when He came in the manger. Emmanuel, who with us? God with us. What is His royal titles? Amen. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, because I and my Father are one. To wit, God was in Jesus Christ on the cross dying for our sins. Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? Hey, that, that'll, that's mind-blowing. But what is double mind-blowing? Who am I that my Creator, my God that I sinned against, would take on flesh, come down, hang on the cross, take the punishment for my sin so I could be forgiven? Thank God for Jesus. Somebody say, thank God for Jesus. And thank God for grace. Hallelujah. Grace gives you a second chance. Grace gives you a third chance. Grace gives you a fourth chance. You shouldn't abuse it because something may happen in between 
you know, situations. But I'm going to tell you something that's available. Today, you will be with me in paradise. I heard a preacher online. I like, he was, he, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. He was, he was, he was preaching somewhere, and behind him was a group of pastors. And I could, I thought, my, my. They looked like they'd been sucking persimmons. They were so sour. All of them were so sour. We got religion. Look what it's done for me. Amen. So anyway, I thought, and, and some of them are rude. Some, some preachers get pride and think of themselves more highly than they are. They just get, they lose the servant heart of Christ. They're not kind. I've been going to the same, the same dry cleaners in Plant City for over 22 years. And the first month I was going and dropping off clothes and picking them up, they saw a tie and they saw a white shirt and, and the lady said, are you a minister? And I thought, yeah, <laughs> we're whispering about it. I said, yes, I am. I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. She said, well, we've got other minister that comes in here. And nobody wants to wait on him. Nobody wants to wait on him. They go the other way when he comes in because he's, he's so harsh and he's so rude. And, and aren't ministers, now there's the fruit of the Spirit, aren't ministers supposed to be kind? I said, if we are anything like Jesus, we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be. And I said, if, if we've misrepresented Him in any other way, I apologize for that. But I don't apologize for me because I'm kind to them people. They tell me it's not ready yet. I say, that's okay. That's okay. They got another white shirt down there in Walmart just waiting for me. I don't say that, but you know what I'm saying. Be patient. It's okay. It's going to be all right. I'm not going to raise Cain. I don't know how how that got started, but I'm not going to raise Cain. You see kindness, the fruit of the Spirit? Just because you can say, come tie my bow tie twice, doesn't mean that you have the character of Christ developing in you. Paul went down to a church filled with the Holy Ghost and filled with every gift of the Spirit. And it was a mess. Because they grew in the charismata, but they never grew in character. They never grew in love. Fundamental to all of it. Amen. They never, they never grew in patience. Love suffereth long. All those fruit of the Spirit is an action of love operating. The love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's not just power that He gives us. It's the reproduction of a person that He wants to happen within us. Love is kind. It's not boastful. It's not rooted. It doesn't just speak about itself. It's self-sacrificing. And that's the character of Jesus Christ. And that's what the world needs to see. Remember the hit song in the 70s? You're not that young that you can't remember the 70s. Don't look at me that way. You remember the 70s. You was born in the 70s. What's your birth date? I mean, 70s. Born in the 70s. So you don't remember the 70s. 
All he remembers is the, is the doctor slapping him when he came out. Just slapped him. Said, <laughs> Hallelujah. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. You've probably heard the song from the 70s, maybe early 80s. That's the only thing that there's just too little of. The world needs what God has given us to share with them. It all comes under the heading of living water out of your belly. Well, how does it get out of your belly? Keep your heart. They, they thought, they thought that the, the, the central part where your soul and spirit is is in the center of the body. So the belly, not your stomach, that's going to be growling any moment now. Amen. But out of your innermost being, out of your innermost being, the core of your being shall flow when you come to Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you, shall flow rivers of living water. What did he tell the woman at the well? If you come to this well, you're going to drink again and again and that thirst is never going to be quenched. But if you knew who it was that spoke unto you and said, give me water, I could give you living water. Where's the living water being dispensed now? Through the child of God that's truly born again, that the Holy Spirit is able to come to and work through and flow through out of your innermost being. It's not just one Christ at the well Offering living water as if that's the only way to get it and the only person can give it to you. It is Jesus doing it, but He's doing it in and through you. And He's doing it in and through me. I have the joy that the lady at the desk, I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on Him. But the lady at the desk, and I, I go up there to pay a bill. I'm professional. But I'm kind. I try to show Christ love. They get things mixed up. They've got us mixed up in February. They rented out two rooms, rented out the whole thing, just displacing us. I don't know what, what the crowd is going to be so upset about that. Anyway, I'm being facetious. Let me get back on track. <laughs> Listen, I'm here today whether people come or they don't come. I'm so glad that you did come because I think he's worthy. I think he's worth it. I think communion is an opportunity to show him appreciation for what he has done for us, for the grace that has flow, flowing to us from God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, 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 we're, our time is fleeting, so I'm going to try to condense just a little bit. The lady who is in charge down there, she told the other lady, this man is a real man of God. And I thought, because of this? Does this do it? Maybe, 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 it's, maybe it's my card that says, Pastor Evangelist. What, what, why would she sense or feel that? And by the way, there's preachers in and out of here and churches meeting in and out of here. Why would she... Give me that distinction. I didn't try to impress anybody. I didn't go down quoting a bunch of Scripture. I don't have a big gold cross hanging around my neck. Did she see my bumper sticker on my car? No, I have no bumper sticker on my car. I do have a fish with a little cross on the back of it. But it doesn't matter about all the paraphernalia. 
It's how you interact with people. There's a sense that something is real here. This is not a put on. Christian leaders that we thought were close to God and represented God are falling and failing. You better dig in. Hold tight. Put up a real fight for the faith. Earnestly contend because the falling away has begun. And what the falling away is exposing is the falsehood within the Christian church that was there all the time. But this flow away from God, everything that can be shaken is being shaken. But there's a purpose in it and why God is allowing it so that that which cannot be shaken might remain. Everybody say that, that cannot be shaken. Having received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. That's why we stand fast and hold fast and hold on and come through. For the the foundation, nevertheless, the foundation of God, which is the kingdom of God, standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. But don't stop just because you're on the foundation that can't be shaken. He says, in a great house, in this kingdom, there are many vessels, some to honor and some to dishonor. Some of gold and of silver and some of wood and hay and stubble. But if you will flee youthful lust, if you will grow up in God and become mature and committed, a real deal, authentic follower of Jesus, you will be a vessel of Honor. If you'll separate yourself from this, this group of people that are shallow, questionable if they've ever known the Lord, going to church won't cut it. It won't impress the world. It's when you get out of church into the world. That's when they either see or don't see or sense His presence in and with you. The Bible said evil, evil communications corrupt good manners. Watch who you run with. Separate yourself from these. Watch who you run with. The old adage says birds of a feather flock together. If you're going to a party where everybody's going to get drunk, you're going to be categorized with everybody drinking at that party. That's why I don't go to those parties. I just don't. I got through with the wedding. I boogied. I didn't stay for the free drinks. Even though I I could have drank a ginger ale. I just didn't want people to see the pastor associated with all of that group of people. And part of that group of people were, I'm sure, social drinkers that attend church somewhere. Some of them write a check and nobody's going to confront them about their, their, their drinking. Because it's just social, it's at parties, it's at, we get, you know, a case of beer for the, for the ball game and, and, and this, that, and the other. Listen, the world needs to see something real. They need to see, and I don't mean self-righteousness, but come out from among them, saith who? Says who? Says who? The pastor, some Pentecostal, uh, uh, extremist? No. Come out from among them. And be ye separate, says who? 
says the the who the Lord the Lord our master our king our god our sovereign our savior come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you for what fellowship hath light with darkness and Christ with Belial what's Belial the devil himself is what that that connotates how can how can light and darkness coexist I agree with brother Hodges years ago he said if you've got the real victory you can live in a duplex with the devil a half a block from hell and keep the victory but you've got to have the victories to live in a world where all of this is occurring and yet keep your distinctiveness as a true disciple of Jesus Christ. He didn't just say go get go get people to build your buildings and meet your budgets. He said go make disciples unto me. First you've got to be saved and then you've got to be committed to follow Jesus Christ. Deny yourself. The message today has been perverted and converted into a self-indulgence. You want to live in a mansion? You want millions of dollars? Do you want fame? Do you want this? Do you want that? That I have? Then give in to this ministry and God has promised to give you all of that. What God has really promised you is a lot of trouble if you are a true Christian following Jesus. A lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. Well, he don't have no trouble. You don't know what's happening in that mansion. You don't know what's happening when he walks out of the pulpit. You don't even know who he is until he has to go through temptation himself. Can you And not live in that bubble that he's trying to tell you you can live in. I want to talk to somebody that's been through the mill and God brought him through. Praise God. I want to talk to, I want to, talk to Shadrach. I don't want to talk to the right reverend, most reverend archbishop, grand pooba of the church of what's happening now. Can you say man? I want to talk to Shadrach. When I'm in the fire, I don't need him. I need Shadrach to remind me that I'm not alone in this thing. And that God is with me and God is for me. And I'm not going to get out of it, but thank God. God, I'm going to, by the grace of God, I'm going to get through it. And when I get through it, I'm not going to be bitter. I'm going to be better. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when I get through it, the smell of smoke, the depression, the all of the things the devil wanted to create, it's not going to be on me. Paul got stoned. Uh, he wasn't that kind of stoned. Just theologically correct here. Amen. And left for dead. They threw stones at him till he was unconscious. It's debatable, and no one can prove it either way. Maybe he was dead and God raised him from the dead to go on preaching. But the thing is, not whether he raised him from the dead or they left him for dead. He was so bloodied, so beaten, that they thought he was dead and walked away. And what is the next thing you hear about Paul? Well, if this is what I get for preaching the gospel, <laughs> I ain't going to preach it no more. I'm preaching it and they're trying to kill me. And they didn't get saved on top of that. It's I did it for nothing. It was all in vain. And I don't know why God let this happen to me. Jeremiah, same thing. 
You'll find out if you're called or not in the dungeon. You'll find out whether you're called or not when you find out that preaching the gospel is not going to just make you rich and famous. It's going to be a target for the devil. And he was found preaching in another town. He got up from that and went on with joy, with the anointing, with zeal, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. 3,000. Some of them were not truly called. Some of them were called and got discouraged and quit. In America alone, not globally, 3,000 pastors will give up their pastorate and go back into the secular world at the end of this year. There will be 3,000 quit because if you really take a stand with the politics the way they are, the polarization the way it is, if you stand up for Jesus now, you're going to be put in a category. And if you can't take the heat of being in that category, you're going to have a hard row to hoe. Amen. It's going to be tough. 3,000 would rather chuck it than to go on and stand up for Jesus and continue to, to preach the truth in this generation. So some of them stay in ministry by conceding to the culture and not preaching the truth. And the others just give up and throw up their hands and quit the ministry altogether. Some of them got in it to get rich. One professor at a Bible college said, I'm, I'm taken back at how many young graduates looking for a pulpit and a parsonage and the benefits come to me and say, which part of the country pays pastors the best? Where should I put in my, my application? Where, where am I going to make the most money at it? And it took him back. He thought, no one is praying where God wants me to be. No one is praying to be led of the Holy Spirit. No one is praying, not everybody, but enough of them that it bothered him about a group of ministers going into ministry just thinking about the salary they're going to get instead of the souls that need to be saved. So we got a real problem in clergy world today. But every child of God has living water to share. And every person in the world is dying of thirst. Out of your belly, out of your innermost being. That's why it said keep your heart, the central part of you, your spirit, not your thumping heart here, your spirit, out of your heart, Keep it with all diligence. Because out of it, you see the flow? Out of it are the issues. You see the water bursting forth? Out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it, don't let bitterness get in your heart. It will stop that flow. Don't let unforgiveness get in your heart. It will start that flow. Don't let doubt and unbelief get in your heart. It will stop that flow. You'll become a complaining Christian instead of a complying Christian. Keep it with all diligence. That's a healthy introspect. It's a self-watch. 
don't let this, if you get mad and you want to get back, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't carry that anger 12, not 24. We didn't say sun up to sun up. Don't let it go down. That's half a day, not a whole day. Don't let it go down on your wrath. You, Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. No, but I know what Christ did for you. And the Bible said we're to be, here's that fruit of the Spirit I'm talking about. Be ye kind hearted to one another. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Jesus' sake, not for your sake, but for Jesus' sake, has forgiven you. For whose sake? For Christ's sake. For Jesus' sake has forgiven you. And when you stand praying, make sure it's already done. Don't even start to pray unless that's taken care of. If you have ought against anyone, forgive them. For if you don't forgive them, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. And you can have quote unquote all the faith in the world but hold on to that's why you got to keep your heart because out of it are the issues of life out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water the very same water that Jesus gave that woman at the well he gives people just as thirsty through you and me that's his intention that's his purpose, but we got to keep our hearts right with God. And we got to be instant in season, out of season. And ready to give an answer to all men for what? The reason for the hope that is in us. It's got to be viable in order to be visible. It's got to be real in you. If you're just as worried as the world is about the world, <laughs> amen. You know what? They ain't going to ask you where'd you get it. You got it from CNN, MSNBC, even Fox. You got it from the news outlets because it's all bad news and getting worse. You have nothing to offer them until you have something they don't have and desperately need. Then you stand out in the crowd. We're not like others. Come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. For what fellowship hath light with darkness? Be not unequally yoked together the believer and the unbeliever. For what fellowship hath light with darkness, or Christ with Belial? Hallelujah. Amen. Do this, he says, and I will be a father to you. And you shall be my sons, and you shall be a father to me. You provide for me. You'll protect me. Amen. You will take care of me. You will love me. You will direct me. I'll be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters. As it is written, I will dwell with them, and I will walk in them. I will perambulate is the Greek word, the word that we get from the Greek word. I will move about freely in them. That's when Jesus is able to shine through our old weak flesh and our old bad self. Now, I'm the only one who said weak flesh and bad self. Everybody thought, huh? 
me tell you something about your bad self. Your flesh. You know what Paul said? He wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament said, I speak in tongues more than any of you. Yet in my flesh, no good thing. Crabby Appleton, rotten to the core, except for Christ, <laughs> except for Jesus, except for Jesus, and grace and mercy and love. People that take the cross for granted lose the first love. First casualty of that is losing the first love. You lose the first love, the enthusiasm for Jesus, the joy of the Lord, the peace of Christ, it all goes out the window. And you go out into the marketplace of the world, and I go out into the marketplace of the world, and they don't see anything in us but the same fears, same worry, same anxiety, same frustration that they have, and they don't need no more. They need someone that can show them a different king and a different kingdom and give them a hope that no one and nothing in this world can give them. They need you and me to let that river flow. Getting the Holy Ghost in us is not hard for God. If you're hungry for God and sometime you were so hungry that you were so empty of self that He could fill you with Himself. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Getting it in us, it's easy for God to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Getting what He's placed in us to flow out of us. That's the challenge. Because our flesh gets in the way. The uncrucified flesh in our life gets in the way and dams up the flow. And so all we can do is, yeah, I go to church on Sunday. Oh, you're a goody two-shoes. No, you may not be a goody no-shoes, but just going to church don't mean nothing to them until you get out of church. But when you get out of church, you're either going to be just like them, as toe-up from the flow-up as they are. They see no joy. They sense no peace. They see frustration and agitation and impatience. And you say, what kingdom are you of? Kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. Who is your Lord? I, 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 I'm, I'm tired of just the cliched bumper sticker style witness. God wants flesh and blood people to share living water with a dying of thirst world. And the real revival is not going to come through. They asked Billy Graham's son. They said, they said, who's going to get the mantle? He didn't claim it for himself. I thought that was commendable. He could have said, I believe I'm going to get it because he preaches and he has the, the Samaritan's purse doing charitable work. And they asked his son, Franklin, they said, who do you think is going to get your dad's mantle like Elijah and Elisha and so forth? He said, I don't believe any individual is going to get that mantle to evangelize the world and touch people's lives with the gospel on that level, on that scale that his dad was able to do. Talking about the number of people he ministered to. He said, I believe the Holy Spirit. The mantle of the Holy Spirit that was on my dad to preach the gospel is going to be divided up among God's true followers. 
the real disciples of Jesus are going to have a portion of that mantle and that appointment and that anointing to go forth and share Jesus with a dying of thirst world. You've got to do more than say, come tie my bow tie. You've got to let what's in you get out of you. Praise God, out of your belly. That's why He come in you. So He could flow through you. Praise God. You're, you're, you're not a vase. That's a fancy word for a vase. Can you say amen? To hold the water, the living water. You are a, you are, you're, you're a pitcher. You're a pitcher. He fills you not to just keep the water in there and speak in tongues to show it is there. He fills you with the Spirit so He can pour the Spirit through you. But He can't do it if we get down in the same kind of doubting, godless, faithless world that has no hope. And we act like them and we live like them and we interact with them and we come out looking just like them. Did you see what was on the news? Do you know what's happening here? Do you see what's happening? Yes, I do. I see it all. But I serve a different king. I'm in a different kingdom. The kingdom that I'm in is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness. It's peace, kingdom peace. And it's joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Whom having not seen, you love how ardently and how fulfillingly. Whom having not seen, you love. This has to be the work of the Holy Spirit. Whom having not seen, you love. With what? Joy unspeakable. We used to sing it. You can't sing it looking sad. Can you imagine singing this song and looking like we look through the week, some of us? Look in a mirror. Check yourself out before you go out there in the world. Check yourself out. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Full of glory. Full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the half has never yet been told. But... If we let our life not line up, we start saying, It's joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of Oh, come on. Get off it. Cut it out. You can't sing that song and mean it. Joy unspeakable? Full of glory? Are you kidding me? Take a look at you. I'm not trying to look at anybody in here. I wish I... You know, one pastor, the church was so dead. And I'm not talking about you. You wouldn't be here if you were dead, right? I'd like an amen from that. A little better amen. His last day. Fifteen years invested. Last day. He was known for his his kind of acid sense of humor. They came in. They thought... Are we here at the right time? It looked like a funeral was taking place. There was, he had rented a casket from a funeral home. Kept it closed. Preached his last message about a revival that never occurred. And he said, I want you to see why there could be no revival 
in this church is because of this deceased person, this dead person right here is the reason we could not have revival. And I want you to see for yourself. And they lined up. I mean, you're getting inquisitive now. They lined up. And when he opened the casket for them to come and look inside, there was a full-length mirror. One amen, one oh me, one holy murmur. One person is leaving. Come back here. I'm not through yet. If any man hears the word and doesn't do it, what's he like? He's like a man that looked in a mirror and saw his true person, his true face. The world of God, the word of God exposes our true self and our true condition. That's not always pleasant. But we can't change it and God can't change it unless we recognize it and repent of it and say, Lord, I want to be different this week. I want this to be a different year for me. I don't want to be caught up in the same thing, the work, getting the world down. I want to represent a soon coming king and a kingdom in me and a kingdom here right now to them that will receive it. I want to share living water with a world that is dying of thirst out of your belly. It gets it gets to them through us or it don't get to them because Jesus is not there at that geographical spot. He's not at Jacob's well and that's the only place you can get it. In every child of God, He has invested His own Spirit and said once it gets in you, I want it to flow through you. Out of your belly. This spake He of what? The Holy Ghost, not just your theological understanding of Scripture, your bumper sticker, all of that, but out of your belly shall flow rivers, plural, of living water. This spake He of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't yet given, but He was going to be. And He said, don't be a vase when you get it. Don't be a receptacle to hold the water. Be a, be a pitcher through which the water can flow. Be a vessel of honor, meet for the Master to use. Praise God. Hallelujah. Ah, now that we're all in a deep conviction, the cross is where we're supposed to melt so He can mold us. The cross is where the first love needs to be rekindled. The cross and the focus on the cross, that's the reason for Holy Communion. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. Feeding the multitude, turning the water to wine. No. Remembrance of me dying for you. Taking your place on the cross. At some point in your life, that has to transcend your pain, your hurt, your disappointment, your anger, your discouragement. Lay aside every weight. Everything's not a sin, but there are things that will hinder. And he said, if you're serious about winning this race... Don't don't try to justify something that is a hindrance, even though you can't call it sin. Lay aside every weight and the sin, the thing that is a sin that you haven't dealt with, lay that aside. The hindrance, the encumbrance, and the sin. And run with perseverance. 
This is not take a number, sit down, and be complacent. The Greek word is not even patience as you might think of it normally. It is perseverance. They that endure to the end shall be saved. Not everyone that starts a race wins the race or even finishes the race. And run with perseverance the race that is set before you. Looking. Unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of your faith. Consider Him who suffered such a great contradiction of... Where did that occur? On the cross, dying for you and me. Consider, See, the moment your eyes shift from you to Him, the poor old me's got to go. The discouragement has to go. You're at the foot of the cross thanking Him for dying for you. There's no room for you to be thinking about you any further. And you might just get a hold of joy unspeakable, full of glory. You might just get a hold of a peace that passes understanding and a love that passes knowledge. And you might have something to offer in terms of living water out of your innermost being and mine that they can't buy at any price. Look at Bill Gates. There's no joy, no peace, no happiness. His countenance betrays his lifestyle of opulence hasn't brought him that. Look at the preachers that have everything. Guess what they want? More! They don't have the basic fundamental, foundational contentment that godliness is supposed to bring. Godliness with what? Contentment is great gain. I got four airplanes and own them paid for. God told me my faith is getting rusty. No, you're discontent because somebody somewhere has got one bigger and better than the last one you bought. Brother Venable, how do you know that? You don't know their heart. I'll tell you what I do know. I do know the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And when you open your mouth, therefore you let people look right into your heart. So if you don't meet, want me to talk about what's in your heart, keep your big mouth shut. Amen. Or when you do speak, let it be living water, not the same junk that the world is buying into. Because the things I once counted gain, that plane, that mansion, this money, I now count as dung that I might know Jesus Christ. Can you say, man, if your value system isn't like that, you have nothing to show me. You have nothing to tell me. I don't want what you got because it didn't even make you happy. It didn't even make you fulfilled. You have no living water to offer because obviously you need to take a long drink yourself. Because godliness with what? Contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world. We can't take anything out. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Be content with such things as you have. For He has said, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. That ought to be enough to make you happy down here. And give you the hope of living with Him forever up there. Well, having said that, how many in Holy Communion would say, Pastor Venable, I want to walk out of here and I want someone to know I'm more than a church-going 
Christian. I want them to know that I've been with Jesus. I love Him. I serve Him. I have hope because of Him. I have peace because of the Prince of Peace. I have joy because He's always with me. And it's unspeakable. And it's full of glory. And the half has never yet been told. Aren't you tired of dried up, ritualistic, religious systems? Going through the motions. being And if it wasn't for the entertainment at the church, nobody would be there. We have no entertainment. If the cross doesn't draw you, we have nothing to offer you. We don't have anything on. We're not going to entertain you. We're not going to play. Whether we fall or stand, you'll know this preacher did not compromise to just get heads in a building instead of hearts for Christ. And I want to go out of here and be a witness to people and share Jesus with people everywhere that I go and everyone that I meet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want the living water that has been so graciously placed within me to flow through me to someone else. Now I want to do an introspect, not condemnation, but just honesty. If every one of us could go out of here with the first love burning in our heart and get rid of any bitterness, anger, wrath, clamor, despondency, discouragement, grudges, unforgiveness, sins and weights that keep besetting us from running with perseverance and joy and Holy Ghost energy the race that is set before us. Living water now can flow through us. Through us. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor or saltiness, I don't want to be a good-for-nothing child of God down here. He don't need me to be a witness when I get home. He don't need me to share the gospel. He don't need me to represent His kingdom when I get home. Where He needs me, meet for the Master's use here and now, in the nasty here and now in this old fallen world. He needs me to let my light shine. To not let it be put under a bushel. To keep the joy of Jesus flowing inside my heart and my life. And keep my heart from those things that would clutter it up. It's time to quit. And I think it's probably time to receive Holy Communion. But I just feel that God wants to do something. You say there's not enough of us. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. If one of you goes out of here and does does life different this coming week. Be careful who you hang with. Be careful who you hang with. Come out from among them and be you separate. Flee youthful lust and be you separate. That's called sanctification. Cleansed and set apart. Why? So you can be self-righteous and holier than thou? No. Cleansed and set apart for a holy purpose. For a holy purpose. Hallelujah. So that that living water He gave the woman at the well can be given through you and through me to somebody else that's dying of thirst. 
And if they sense it in us and see it in us, they'll say, give me then this water. I'm desperate for it. I need it. And you can be a soul winner without trying. Just just be light and be salt and be ready. And then be ready to give an answer. Because somebody, somewhere, not everybody everywhere, but somebody somewhere is going to approach you and say, how do you keep this attitude? Don't you know what's happening? Don't you get it? Yeah, I know. I get it. But I've also got it. (laughs) Hallelujah. I serve a different king. And the kingdom I'm in is promises, full of promises and full of positivity and full of hope and full of joy and full of peace. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Could you tell anybody about Jesus today? Could you honestly tell them what Jesus could do for them? They're not even going to ask if He can't do it for you. That's a contradiction. Don't just try to hand somebody a tract. You're a living epistle. (laughs) And you are read, written and read by all men. They read you. They read me. And they want to see what I'm saying. Not just hear what I'm saying. I believe the church itself steeped in religious routines, even Pentecostal churches now. They need a revival. I'm not sure they will have it. But I believe individual Christians, individual Christians that go out into the marketplace of the world and have something visible in their life and viable in their life that the world does not have. I believe God's going to use them to start touching the world. Not another Billy Graham. Not another James Whitfield. Not another uh, Billy Sunday. Going back down through the revivalists that he sent. I, I agree with Franklin Graham. I don't believe an individual is going to be a person God uses to touch the world and win souls. I believe it's going to be the body of Christ that is committed to following Jesus Christ and will get rid of the junk that is junked up and stopped up that well within us so that the living water can come out of us, out of your belly. And how does it get out? Hold fast your profession of faith without wavering. Share the gospel. Tell it to the gospel. Tell somebody, but first show them. It's show and tell. It's show and tell. What did you bring to the world to show and tell? What are you bringing to this old fallen world? It's show and tell time for the true believers to show and then tell. That's why Holy Communion needs to be participated in. That's why we need to get the fire rekindled inside of us. We need to get the flow going once again. And that's how a church will truly grow. It's not getting Christians that are so satisfied and grace is a given. There's no hope for that crowd of Christians, to tell you the honest truth. When grace becomes a given... 
They're going to be the same old, same old 10 years from now, and you could give them Scripture every Sunday, and it won't make a bit of difference without rekindling the first love. But at the foot of the cross, there's the potential, the possibility, and the probability if we keep coming to the cross, looking unto Jesus on the cross, not just for help, not just for strength, but to get our eyes off of ourselves. Consider Him. Looking to Jesus, how? Consider Him that suffered such a great contradiction of sinners against Himself, unless what? Here's the fatigue. Here's, here's the weariness. Lest you be weary and faint in your own mind. Why? Because poor old me. And poor old me can't tell the world what Jesus can do for him. It's somebody that he's doing it for that <laughs> can share it with them. It's show and tell time. And in this communion, any unforgiveness, any grudge, any bitterness, Brother Venable, I've been hurt, so was he. Be kind hearted for one another, forgiving one another, even as God, for only one reason. For Jesus' sake has forgiven you. Unmerited favor, grace, amazing grace. How sweet the sound. He that's forgiven much, what happens? What happens? If you really understand what it costs to forgive you and where you would be without Him and where you will be without Him if you don't continue to follow Him. Where would I be without Jesus? Where would I spend eternity? When you get it, he that's forgiven much, you say, well, I, I wasn't a serial killer. I wasn't a hitman for the mafia. I didn't run an abortion mill and, and a thousand babies' blood is crying unto God. I didn't do all of that. You don't have to. It costs just as much blood to save you from your sin as it does to save him and them from their sin. No less. And it's precious. And it's powerful. But we sing power in the blood and not necessarily stimulate reciprocal love for him. It's the preciousness of it. Not just the power of it. The blood will never lose its power to... to, put us in a position to be forgiven and saved. But listen, it's the precious fact of every drop of His blood that was shed for us. We were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the powerful blood of Jesus. No, no, that doesn't provoke this love for Him and commitment to Him. But with the precious blood of a Lamb without spot, without blemish. He that knew no sin becoming sin so that I could be forgiven my sin and God could be justified in doing so. If you don't love Him back enough to follow Him, you're going to walk out of here and compromise your commitment, compromise your testimony, compromise your faith. If you don't love Him enough to surrender to Him and renew your first love for Him, rekindle it, by doing your first works, you'll walk out of here 
when you walk into the office, you walk into the warehouse, you walk into uh, the, the, the world marketplace of life, you'll be just like them, and they'll never see Him. But if you walk out of here falling in love with Jesus, and it becomes unto you joy unspeakable and full of glory, that shining bright hope, that deep settled peace is going to transmit to a world without it that's in a dearth for it. And if you can become a person God can flow through, guess what He's going to do? He's going to pour it on you so He can pour it through you. Everybody say, pour it on me so He can pour it through me. Now say it just a little bit louder. Just a little bit louder now. Just a little bit. Pour it on me so you can pour it through me. How many want to be really Spirit-filled? Not just talk in tongues a little bit, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He pours it on us so He can pour it through us. Become a vehicle for God, a vessel of honor for God, and let what's in you flow out of you to touch somebody else's life. And let's get it started, generated at the cross in this Holy Communion service. Praise the Lord. Brother Sean, would you please? We, we didn't get out the fancy communion stuff because we just, we're just home folk today. Homeboys and homegirls. And I have actually tore the top off of mine, fumbling around already, ruined one. My wife is not here to do that for me. Sherry, you're going to have to be a surrogate sometimes. A surrogate wife. You'll have to share her to open my communion. I want to ask you a question before we receive it. Do you feel we need desperately this message in every follower of Jesus' life? Can I see your hand if you believe we need this? I didn't ask you if you wanted it. I never ask anybody if they want it. God gives me a message to give and I give it without apology. But we desperately, He wouldn't give it if we didn't need it. And we need it because they, the world about us, need it. They're on their way to hell. And unless someone is in a position for God to use to witness to them, that's where they're going to go. And that's where they're going to spend eternity. Every person you meet in life is on a road, and there's only two. Every person without exception is on a road. There's no two ways. There's no no three-way, four-way, five-way, back door. There's only two roads. One leads to eternal life, joy, and bliss forever. One leads to hell, torment, and destruction. Every person on the planet is on one of those roads. Number one, make sure you're on the right road. And number two, don't just confront them with which road they're on. Show them. Show them. There's a better way. There's a better life. There's a greater hope. And share Jesus with them. That's why communion.
The same night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he broke it, he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat this bread, remember me. You may eat the wafer. four cups on the cedar table one of them was for Elijah said empty at the end the third cup was unique because it was celebrating their deliverance from Egypt their redemption Jesus picked up that third cup strategically because he came to redeem us with his own blood to ransom us with his own blood he lifted it high and say, This is representing my blood that's shed for the sins of many as often as you drink it. You do show. It's not S-H-O-W. It's S-H-E-W. And it means you declare openly, proclaim publicly the Lord's death for you in your behalf until He comes. You're to do it as often as you do it, remembering me on the cross for you. You may drink. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, precious Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Will you stand to your feet today? We used to meet, we're meeting in the back of a church now. We used to meet at a restaurant near a truck stop just off of the Interstate 4. Bob Evans up near the Mango Sefner area. We were known as people of joy. We dealt with death. We dealt with church politics. We dealt with a lot of accusations. People love to accuse somebody for what's wrong. So they even accused Jesus, so we're in the same category. If we didn't have joy, we couldn't make it. And what impressed people, the waitress came and said, Listen, we love to see you guys come in because you're always happy. I thought, like I told the guy at the Circle K, we love to wait on you because you're always so happy. I said, well, I'm not happy because of happenings. I'm not happy because I have no trouble, no problems, no pressures. Here's the reason I'm happy. The Scripture said, happy is the man who has the Lord God of Jacob for his help. I'm happy because no matter what I face, I have help.
And they said even the people that cook, they look out and, and said they're always glad to see you guys come in. And I'll let you guess who is always the life of the partay. Who challenges them to quit being so serious and sad when you're out in the marketplace of the world? Now get serious and bad when you preach. You, But when you go out there, leave that at the church. <laughs> where it belongs. Well, it don't belong, but it's comfortable there. Can you say amen? When you go out here, you need something to offer these folks. They're dying of thirst. <laughs> and they're thirsty for what we've got. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want you to pray this week that there will be a genuine move of the Spirit in people's hearts and lives that have grown cold on God. Indifferent complacent, have taken joy unspeakable and full of glory grace for granted and need desperately to get back to the cross and let reciprocal love flow through us. Love Him back. Stir up the gift and love Him back for loving us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.